0: So, Matt, have you ever had an office romance? Believe it or not, I've never had an office
1: romance, but I prefer to sit on the sidelines and sleuth. (laughs) I mean, sometimes you're in a boring office and the best part is figuring out who is in a relationship with who. who, Totally with you. And they always think that they're being sly about it. And it's like, "I I just saw you guys touch each other's hands. You grazed that. Why would you graze somebody in a kitchen? No. No. No grazing. No grazing in the kitchen. But so I have a friend. This is an amazing story. I have a friend who worked in an investigative journalist newsroom for a TV show, and there were only seven people in this investigative newsroom, and four of them, there were two couples out of the seven, and they were keeping it a secret. Or
0: they thought they They were. They thought they
1: were keeping it a secret from the other three people. And so my friend... She actually was very clever in how she managed to figure out that they were in a relationship. So the guy in the relationship, he actually got transferred to the L.A. office. And so the girl all of a sudden started taking these trips to San Fran to, quote unquote, visit her friend. Sure. She yeah. had some
0: ailing aunt right. or yeah. something so, yeah. on, something, the, like, on know, the West something, Coast. Yeah, all was, of a sudden.
1: Right. And so... They were talking about it in the newsroom and you know, somebody was like, Oh no, they're definitely not they're not together because they yell at each other. And my friend was like, Exactly, That's exactly you no. Know. Yes. It's the passion. Red flags, yes. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly so, so she did something really devious. She actually got her friends miles for American Airlines under the guise of she said, Look, I'm a platinum member and I have this hookup with somebody who works at American, and I'm actually gonna get you juiced up a few levels because you, you obviously you have all these new friends in SF.
0: I can't believe an uh, investigative journalist fell in for month. that. Come on. Yeah, I know.
1: Uh, so she gave her miles, and sure enough, she logged on. And then, oh, all look at this. Revealed. All is All is revealed. All these trips were not to SF at all. They were to L.A. So the next time they all went out to drinks, she pulled her aside, and she's like, just so you know, I know. And she's like, I know what? She's like, I, I have to come clean up at something. I, I logged into your American Airlines account, <gasps> and I know where all your trips are. <gasps> And she was like, how could you do that? Like, we're investigative journalists. How could you possibly think you were going to pull a fast one? It was on irresistible. Show? Yeah, it was
0: irresistible. Most days, you've got a lot of places to go and a lot to get done before you can even think about falling into bed at night. Wouldn't it be nice if you could stay connected to the world while you were out there getting it all done? What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC, with a suite of social tech, including Waze integration, so seamless the map appears right on the screen. Amazon Alexa, with access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo, and a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With your 2019 Lincoln MKC, you're transforming traffic jam streets into clear roads, empowering your voice to instantly change your environment, set temperature to 72 degrees, all to make life a little easier. And when you're finally done, Waze, take me home.
2: Let's get started.
0: You're getting a seamless experience right to the very end. Alexa, open my garage door. Available via iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. Registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at lincoln.com wondery. That's lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y. From Wondery, this is Safe for Work, Job Stress, Life Relief. I'm Liz Dolan. And I'm Matt Ritter. And on today's show, we're talking all about office romance and dealing with love in the workplace.
1: Meredith Goldstein, advice columnist for the Boston Globe and host of the podcast Love Letters, will be joining us to talk about how her personal experiences have shaped the advice
0: she gives about dating
1: in the office.
0: Later, Dr. Steven Danziger will help us tackle another question about mental health in the workplace.
1: And we'll debate some of those eternal workplace questions like, would you rather get more vacation time or a bump in your salary? Oh. In today's segment of Mind the Gap. But first, let's take a call from a listener.
0: Hello? Hey, is Jessica there? This is her. Hey, Jessica, it's Liz and Matt from Safe for Work. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Good, Great. good. We've been looking forward to talking to you. So tell us, what's on your mind? What are you up against here, Jessica?
2: Oh, where do I begin? I have worked for um, a smaller but successful company for 12 years now. Uh huh. They pay me very well. They're very flexible with me for my family and all that stuff. And lots of little perks. That's great. So it's, it's not your average company because it's family-owned. So it's kind of anything goes. There's a lot of parties and drinking and all that stuff. Sounds Ooh. fun. The like um, wolf
0: of Wall Street over here. I don't know, anything goes as a red flag for me, but okay, carry on.
2: <laughs> so, at one of these drinking events, my boss met one of my friends and they started having an affair. Oh god.
0: Oh, boy. Right. Okay. So that and that went on for about 4 years. Oh my god, I, 4 years. Why didn't you call us sooner? Oh wait, we weren't on the air. <laughs> I I knew about it, but that put me
2: in a really horrible position and you know on top of that we're friends with her husband and I know his wife and it just it was very you know it just caused me a lot of stress and now that his wife has found out (gasps) um last year I have not talked to my friend in over a year um last time I talked to her was when she called to tell me that his wife knows so that went down and then she got a divorce as well
0: oh you're just breaking my heart here Jessica (laughs) So where does all of this leave you?
2: I still work there, and now they're like real-life official dating, if you can call it that. Um, And it's super awkward. And now at this point, she's becoming more visible in the company. She's attending work functions, and then I'm not going because I know she's going to be there, and I'm not really ready to confront that. And, you know, how long can you deal with that kind of stressor? And like I said, I'm still there because, of the perks and the pay mm-hmm, that's kind of how mm-hmm. we get people to
0: stay. Uh-huh. I'm just going to jump forward there are more questions we want to ask you but when I hear someone say that they're in a work environment where there's drinking, partying and anything goes like that's like the the forward definition of a workplace you should get yourself out of yeah and you <laughs> <So> know it's <laughs> like the movie of the year yeah get yeah. out get yeah out. get out get out get out i mean
2: it's a recipe for disaster but <laughs> you know i have i have three small children mm. and my husband works in the trade so he can't you know take care of all the kids stuff the doctor appointments and everything and they you know I have the freedom to do whatever I need to have done and then you know on top of the pay for what i do and I'm having a trouble transitioning out of this company because what I do is so specific to that company that it's hard to translate into another position.
0: I mean, that's obviously what you need to focus on, in my opinion. I don't think this is an environment where you are safe professionally. So even though you have 12 years in and you obviously have loyalty to the business and to the family, I think if you really want to put yourself first, you need to think about how to package yourself up. After 12 years, you do have skills that are transferable. You just need to figure out uh, how to articulate those. Maybe... Matt, the master recruiter, yeah. can help you with Let's that, talk about but, that. Let's talk about right. that. Let's talk about that.
1: What are these skills that you that you were telling us are so specific that we can't figure out a way to maybe... Tr- Let's try and figure out a way to potentially translate those.
0: Yeah,
2: so I'm purchasing manager.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And how we purchase is just very specific to this company. So, you know, even speaking with recruiters, you know, they ask, well, what system do you use for procurement? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, me? <laughs> excel i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't have you know what you would think of a normal skill set to bring to these positions so i go back
1: to the fact that you have the experience and you're saying you you guys use excel so you're not up on the latest systems of procurement
2: yeah we don't have anything
1: (laughs) you could potentially fix that outside of the workplace i mean there are classes you could take for that you could potentially have somebody give you a tutorial i know a lot of people that have this specific workplace problem where hey they use one database and the other even in in the creative fields you know edit on a different system, you're totally lost. So I think there are a lot of ways to potentially get those skills outside of the workplace. That
0: makes sense. That's a good idea. And you know, Jessica, I'm super sympathetic to the fact that you love the flexibility of your current job, that it's very family friendly. And, you know, I know a lot of working mothers in particular that they feel just super wedded to a job where they feel like it's giving them a balance with the other family responsibilities that they have. The good news is there are more and more companies that are accommodating people uh, in that way. It's still not easy to find, but if you acquired a few new skills, packaged yourself up, and then went out in search of a family-friendly work environment that would make the best of the skills you have, I think in the long term, you would be way better off then than you are now in this sort of, I don't know, like pretty professionally dangerous work environment. I mean, the paid-in-place aspect, the drinking, the partying, maybe that was fun in the beginning. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was a lot younger. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're not I, married with kids, and also taking part in the drinking, partying, and anything goes. Just not. Yeah, that always that seems. That's just not true. Yeah, that that
1: that always seems like a better idea than it is in a workplace right. long term. There's not a lot of workplaces that manage to toe to that line that in a good no, way.
2: No. Yeah, and it makes her an unhappy husband too. So.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh God, okay. I would not want to be sitting on the other end of that at at all.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know your original letter to us said, do I need to just suck it up and get over this situation for the sake of my family? Or is it time for me to move on, even if that means a pay cut kind of moving downward? And I think you need to completely reframe the way you are looking this. What you would do for the sake of your family would be to go get a job in a better environment Mm -hmm. where you're not being dragged down Mm -hmm. by some of the super unprofessional workplace behavior that you just described. And
1: also frame your skills in a positive. You already dealt with
0: being a procurement manager in a really difficult environment. That's a positive to me. I think you can do this. I think you can get yourself out into a better job in a family-friendly environment where this just sounds, I don't know, this really sounds dreadful on almost every Mm -hmm. level.
2: And I I often wonder if that stress is lifted, how good that would feel.
0: It would feel feel great. great. You know, I've lived like this for so long, it would be
2: worth all the work.
0: Yeah. You don't need to have a feeling of dread going to your job. Yeah. I think I just needed someone to um, solidify my thoughts. Yeah. So thanks for listening. That's what
2: we're here for. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: This is a segment we call Mind the Gap. Liz, let's face it, we may be co-hosts on the show, but I know we have different opinions on a lot of workplace issues.
0: No doubt.
1: No doubt about it. In this segment, we're going to run through a bunch of topics in a lightning round. 45 seconds to discuss a topic, then a bell rings, and we move on to the next one. All right, Liz, first question, do you listen to music while you work or do you need silence in your space?
0: Silence, please. I, I it's hard enough to concentrate just given what's going on in my monkey mind. <laughs> How about you? I used
1: to listen to music, and then I had this writing partner that demanded absolute silence, and he got it into my head that like, oh, the music's really messing with us, you know. So I actually am uh, with you on this one. I like dead silence, and now I just reserve music for when I'm cooking dinner. That's the only time I have music oh, on. Okay, yeah. nice. All right, next one. What is worse? This is a tough one because they're both bad: a passive-aggressive boss or a tyrannical boss.
0: You know. I can handle a tyrant, yelling, screaming, whatever. I feel like I can stand my ground without losing my cool. The passive-aggressive is just the opposite. That's when I lose my cool. I'm with you
1: on this one because the tyrannical boss, it's like, I know where you stand. Sometimes a passive-aggressive boss, I walk out of the meeting being like, oh, they love me. And then like 30 seconds later, I realize they were insulting me or like, you know, you just – it just I hate that trying to try figure out where you stand with They're somebody just all the time. Secretly undermining yeah, you instead always, of just saying
0: to your face you're yeah, an you idiot. Suck.
1: Yeah, like I need to I need to hear somebody yell at me you suck. <laughs> not like, hey, you're doing a really, you know, not so terrible job for who you are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, yeah. That's right? what really when you walk out of the office thinking, hmm. That's right? gonna that's
1: gonna leave me a mark with because my therapist. That <laughs> reading one, between know? the lines yeah, on that one. I don't like it. All right, here we go. Next one. You negotiate a package at your new
0: job. Would you rather have bonus vacation time or a slight bump in your salary? Oh, this is a tough one. But here I would say I've changed over the course of my life. That earlier in my career, it was always about the money. You know, because you're building up. You just you have the basics aren't even covered. Later on, it was time that became more precious to me. And I would actually be willing to give up money to get a little bit more time. How about you? It's, it's a sucker's move. And I'll tell you why. I just read <laughs> this study that
1: there's a trillion dollars in unused vacation time. So I think the people who are negotiating, they they don't realize that a lot of times they end up getting extra vacation and then they don't even end up getting to use it. So okay. it's money left on the table.
0: You're right. You're right. I thought when you said it was a sucker's move, and don't worry, I didn't take that personally, yeah. that you would say that you could really get both if you negotiated right, because mm. that's probably that's true the key. too. Yeah, that's the real. You should answer really there. go for both. Yeah. Okay.
1: Do you prefer a video conference or a teleconference?
0: In my experience, video conferences are way more productive. Because it really prevents people from just reading their email the whole time they're on the phone. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time on a teleconference, no one is paying attention. But if it's a video conference, you can see them. So that's the upside to the video conference.
1: So I agree with you in theory. But I have never, it's like one out of every three video conferences, something goes wrong. And and it's somebody, I have a candidate who's interviewing and they're like, I showed up at this office, but I'm supposed to be talking to somebody in Texas and they left me in this conference room with a monitor and just nothing happened. So I guess I have to come back another day. So I find that for now, until video conference technology gets better, we're stuck with teleconferencing, which I can do in my underwear and not pay attention like you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the not paying attention is really the key part of any teleconference. So why are we bothered? Do
1: I don't know. I don't
0: know. This one, I, you know, I don't really
1: care for either of these, but uh, monthly birthday celebrations in the office are individual birthday celebrations.
0: I think I'm behind door number three, which is where you started. <laughs> Birthdays in the office are just not my thing in general. And maybe it's because when I turned 11, Matt... My parents confessed to me that they had been celebrating my birthday on the wrong day for Mm -hmm. the first 10 years of my life. Wow. I know. Yeah, talk to my therapist, whatever. But maybe birthdays just are less meaningful to me because of that, because mine has changed. But maybe a monthly employee get-together is great. I'm not sure why it has to be about the birthdays. (laughs) And I'm also not a fan of cake, Mm. so...
1: Well, so they call me the cupcake kid, so I love uh, birthday okay. celebrations because I have a sweet tooth. But I like the individual one because, much like what you're talking about, it dates back to my childhood. I'm July 28th birthday, summer child. Yeah. I never got to do the thing that all the other kids did, bring in the munchkins yes. to school.
0: So I never— Because you were during summer vacation. Yeah, it
1: was I just never celebrated.
0: Oh, you yeah. have a lot to make up for. I almost want to go back
1: to my law firm so I could have the birthday celebration. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Next question.
0: Meditation break? or walk-around-the-block break? Oh. Um, I'm really not very good at meditating, despite some practice. I think for me, the key is to get up and go outside. Even if it was to go outside to meditate would probably be better, but you kind of look weird when you're just sitting outside with your eyes closed. So walk around the block. That's what I would do. I'm going to walk around the blocker. So I would say I agree, and and I what I also think
1: looks weirder than meditating, walking around the block, is meditating in the office. <laughs> not only does it look strange... You might end up getting in trouble by accident because, like, somebody might go, that guy was taking a nap at work. (laughs) What is he doing? He's napping in the middle of the day. It's not like we haven't reached a a, a stage of our culture yet where it's universally accepted to just close your eyes for five minutes in the middle of a work day Mm -hmm. and go, leave me alone. I am meditating. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not here right now. I'm on the beach.
0: There's also the problem that you might actually fall asleep. Well, we know that I fall asleep in my
1: (laughs) meditations. We already know this.
0: Matt, I've said this before. I'll say it again. For me, the hardest part about being... A leader in a company is hiring because you know how critical it is. Like, your life is going to be a living hell if you don't get the right people. So getting the right candidates to turn up, go through the whole process, it's incredibly complicated, and it can just take forever, which is why I love the whole system at ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter really makes it easy. They send my job to over a 100 of the world's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. You know what they do next.
1: Yeah. They've got matching technology. They scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for a job. As somebody who works in recruiting, I know how important it is to analyze candidates properly. And so they actually have a spotlight to put the top candidates so you never miss them. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. One day, do you have yeah. any idea
0: how quick that is? You, I, know.
1: I mean, that is—it's <laughs> almost too quick. I'm not yeah. ready yet, but yeah. okay.
0: Good work, ZipRecruiter. So, with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest-rated hiring site in America. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address: it's ZipRecruiter.com/safe. That's ZipRecruiter.com/safe. One more time. It's free for you to try it. You really want to give this a go. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash safe. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
3: Today, less than half of us believe we're on track to meet our financial
1: goals. America is changing, and with it, the financial challenges we face. And that's why Prudential has partnered with wellness expert Alexandra Drain They're traveling across the country talking to real people in a project called The State of Us.
0: From the town with the longest lifespan to the town with the highest birth rate to the smallest town in America. The goal is to uncover challenges getting in the way of financial wellness. Because even though our challenges may seem overwhelming, Prudential believes there's a path forward for everyone.
1: To learn more about the financial challenges facing America, visit prudential.com slash
0: state of us. Okay. Joining us now is Meredith Goldstein. She's an advice columnist for the Boston Globe and host of the podcast Love Letters. And she's here to talk about how to avoid the common pitfalls of office romances. So, Meredith, welcome to Safe for Work to talk about the stickiest of sticky subjects. Very sticky, very <laughs> sticky. <laughs> so I know, I know from reading your book, can't help myself, that you yourself had a relationship with a coworker. So how did that? Tell us a little bit what, about what you learned from that. Well, boy, did I learn
4: plenty. Um, it ended up with me getting dumped. <laughs> um, of course, for all of the incredible reasons I loved being in the relationship, which you know included that it made work more fun. Yeah. I would get excited to see him. We would walk the hallways. We had all of these things in common. Um, it was really difficult when it ended because he was still going to the cafeteria where I got my English muffins and that was <laughs> not fun. And I was probably selfish at the time a little bit because he had every reason and right to break up with me in life yes. as human adult's you know, have that right. And. Okay. Well, that's very grown up of you. Yeah. I mean, now it is, I'm sure at the time I wasn't so grown up, but you know, even after the breakup, when I would see him in the hallway, I, I would avoid him, give him dirty looks and I'm sure it made his workplace, you know, kind of difficult. So yeah. even looking back now, I mean, now he's a good friend and we'd laugh about it, but at the time it was really difficult and made me wonder whether people should be having these relationships at all but I believe that they can and should when it's appropriate.
0: Yeah. You know, I know, I've thought about this a lot. I know plenty of couples who met at work and they're still together decades later. Yeah, And when it works out, it's great. And it's normal because we spend so much of our time at work, but we kind of need to have our eyes open about the pitfalls because when it doesn't work out, it totally sucks.
4: Yeah. I think it's also industry specific too. Like, you know, at the Boston Globe, some of the best marriages I know are Boston Globe marriages. And the people really get each other because they're journalists and they have the same schedule. Yeah. And sometimes it's not that big of a deal because you might be in an industry where you're not in an office every day, or you change companies every few years. I think the tough thing about the globe, at least then, was that people stayed here for decades at a time, which meant that if you had an ex, you were looking at them. And (laughs) I I know people who never see their exes who they work with. So I, I think it's also about the kind of work you do and, you know, how big your company might be. All of these factor into the decision.
0: Yeah. And let's stipulate that some people are totally off limits, right? The power dynamics and relationships with people at work.
4: Yeah. What I tell readers is like, make sure you're following the rules of your human resources department first, and then you can debate some of these other questions.
0: Yeah, exactly. So not someone who's in your chain of command. Um, I, I always tell people like, don't Cheat on your partner at work. That's also very b- bad for re- your reputation. Oh Those kinds of things are not going to help you. So the pitfalls, when it goes wrong, if you had to look back on your experience and say, oh, like when, when the breakup happened, I wish I had done this instead of that. Or what do you think people really need to be aware of when they're, when you enter into a workplace relationship in the event that it turns out poorly? What should be on our minds?
4: I mean, one thing that I wish I had done was to admit to myself from the beginning that if it was going to end, it was going to be weird. And maybe to make it a conversation. I feel like, you know, I had no intention of marrying the person I was with, so I kind of knew there'd be an end. And I think, you know, had we had a simple conversation about how that might work, how we could respect each other and share the same space, it might not have been so devastating when it happened. I also think that, you know if I could do it over, I wouldn't have leaned on people in the office about the breakup, which I think I did. And at that point, it felt like a little bit like um, the halls at work were about sides at that point. And again, this is something we now can laugh about, but uh, you really have to make sure that the other person is as comfortable as possible and that you're treating them well and with respect because it is, you know, it's your livelihood and it's, it's where you have to show up every day in many cases.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I ever would have been mature enough to have that conversation you just said about. While you're in a relationship, it's like having it's like signing a prenup. It just seems very unromantic, Meredith. It, it does, and you know what? Even
4: as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know if I would have been any good at that conversation. But like, we never had like a is this weird because we work together conversation. We just didn't.
0: Yeah. And
4: I think that even to just acknowledge it, like we're, we're taking a risk here. I think also, like, turn you're on the fence about whether you want to be with somebody at all, it might just not be worth pursuing that if you want your office space to be comfortable. I think that, for instance, I would not recommend what you know will be a one-night stand with a coworker if you yeah. don't know that person very well because who's to say how they'll react to it? It's just like you have to pick your battles about, like, what's worth giving it a try.
0: No, totally agree. And having been a witness to a lot of these relationships, there are a couple of things that really bug me. One is like, I don't want to see you two making goo goo eyes at each other at the Monday morning staff meeting. Okay. Yeah. Could I I just ask that people not be overtly romantic in the office, even if you are dating each other? Is that fair, Meredith? I think that is very fair. I mean,
4: PDA is one thing on the street. It's another thing when you can like get all these inside jokes like in a meeting. I think that's kind of weird. Um, and I just also feel like part of a comfortable office is people feeling like these personal relationships aren't affecting their work. So that's again, an HR thing. Like you don't want to feel like somebody has benefits because, you know, because they're in a romantic relationship with someone. Likewise, you don't want to feel like somebody's being punished for no good reason because of a, a personal relationship. But I mean, even with all of this, it's a great way to meet somebody who gets who you are Mm -hmm. and what you do and what your priorities might be. So even though I was at one point in my life, someone who sat by a vending machine in my office and wept, (laughs) um, I still think I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know what? Now, again, I now laugh by vending machines, but, um, You know, but I think it's still really worth it. Like, I'm glad I tried it. And it was uh, a lot of lessons there.
0: I know. I think a lot of things, another thing people try is they just assume that it's really a secret. And I would say in my lifetime of workplace experience, it is never a secret, people. (laughs) No, except for when people have been
4: together forever. I'm always like shocked to find out that people I've worked with for years turn out to be married and I never knew. I mean, (laughs) separately, I think one piece of advice is if you are going to date somebody at work, bring that relationship out of work as quickly as possible. You know, if you feel like there's a courtship happening, allow that courtship to happen at a restaurant, at a bar. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't be happening in office. But one one thing I also wish I could have done over is a lot of that original courting in that relationship, we would visit each other's desks. Mm-hmm. It was very much like Pam and Jim on The Office. And what it does is it begins to turn your workplace into a place of memories, which can work out like not so great. Like I didn't want to go to my desk anymore because that's where he would visit. And I think that keeping a boundary, like if you know what's what and you know you're starting to date, then date, date out of the office and keep it separate.
0: So, okay, so you've been writing the love letters column for a long time for the Boston Globe. What are the most common work-related romantic issues that come to you?
4: I think especially in the new world we're living in, which is a great world, by the way, because I think people are finally starting to really consider how they treat coworkers um, in all ways. People don't know how to start a romantic relationship because yeah. it's a big jump to say, hey, do you want to go out on a date? Because you might be making the colleague uncomfortable. So people are writing in saying, I think we might like each other, but how do I know I'm not putting them in a horrible position by trying to pursue this?
0: So what's your advice there? Because, the, yeah, that's an important one.
4: I mean, it's very difficult to navigate and not everybody is great at reading social signals. So, you know, what I've told people is that starting in a group is really good to leave the office with friends and also to take a first no as a monumental no. You know, people, when they receive a a request like that, yes, it might make you feel strange and you can say, you know, this is not something I'm interested in and clarifying what your intentions are. So, it is slippery and it can be very uncomfortable but that's a common question i see now which is I, am i reading this right and it's really hard for me to guide that person um but Again, starting in a group, that's even just a good way to, to right. build a friendship with that.
0: Person. And and take the first no. I I say the same thing to people. Like, okay, if you're confused about what the new rules are, well, that's not a new rule. That's just let's just be explicit about that. You can ask someone for a date, and if they say no, just take that as their permanent answer.
4: It's a no. And you know, I think media does this to us, right? Like movies and stuff, where you know women are asked seven times, and by the seventh time, they've fallen madly in love, and that it's this, you know, chasing it. But that actually in a workplace, that's not how it works. It's It's not how it works in real life. Um, You know, uh, the other common problem I get is not even so much about romantic relationships. It's about this concept of work spouses. Yes.
0: I was just about to ask about emotional affairs. Exactly.
4: So, yes. It's funny. I thought I was writing a book about a breakup, and I wound up writing a lot of it about my best friend at work who is a married man who's 12 years older than I am. And we spend so much time with each other. I mean, we work so many hours a week and I wanted to try to get to the bottom of like why that relationship is okay and why it works and why so many letters come in about this idea of work spouses Mm -hmm. and should people be jealous or threatened or feel cheated on because of their partner's close friendships with people at work.
0: Yeah, because you can totally understand why people do feel threatened by that.
4: Yeah, and, and you know, I realized that my own friendship at work was you know really clouding my ability to see cause for that jealousy, you know, because I don't have an inappropriate relationship with Mark, my close friend, I would be like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. This other woman at work, not a big deal, but I don't know that. Right. I do know that many affairs start at work. So I was trying to think of the difference and why my friendship with Mark works. And part of it is that we took it out of the office. It's like just what we were saying about the dating. So I realized he was super cool. He thought I was super cool. And almost immediately it transcended, those office responsibilities. So I met his wife, I met his kids, like it just became very comfortable because everybody's intentions were on the table. Like I just liked hanging out with him. And I think that when we bottle things up in the office and have a different relationship inside of the office than we would outside of the office, it can get a little weird. And And I don't like the term. I really think people shouldn't use it because if you don't use it, it forces you to define what it is. Well, if they're not your work spouse, are they a close friend? Mm -hmm. Are they a subordinate? You know, I also really don't like it when I hear people refer to um, the assistants or administrators of people as work spouses. Totally agree with that. Because it suggests, what does that mean about spousal relationships? So I I, I think it's a strange thing that people fell to that term.
0: So how do you know, because as you say, a lot of affairs do start at work. And so this person who is your partner at work and it's so exciting and you get a lot of things done, how do you know when that is going over the line and you are kind of emotionally cheating with someone at work? I mean, a
4: big question is, is this person an escape from your reality Mm -hmm. at home or are they part of your reality? You know, if you are using somebody at work to bring you out of your real life community, that's no good. Yeah, Uh, They have to be a part of your life in real life, just like anybody else.
0: And so it's probably a red flag if there's any part of this that you're keeping a secret from your own partner, right?
4: Yeah. And there's a difference between, by the way, having a private personal friendship where you're closer to the person than your spouse is, like, that's fine. There are always going to be inside jokes you have with somebody that your spouse might not know every little part of. But if there's something you feel like you couldn't share with your partner, that's, to me, a little suspect. Like, we're allowed to have private lives, even if we're in a relationship. But if you feel like there are secrets you must keep, that seems a little strange to me.
0: So you've been doing this for a long time, writing love letters, doing the podcast and and now your book. Are there some issues about workplace romance that still have you totally stumped where you just, you don't know what good advice to give people?
4: Well, I do think that that first question I mentioned, that that starting of a relationship at work, is still baffling to everybody because I can't advise all letter writers in the same way. Some are much more confident about their reads on social interactions than others. And every year there are also, by the way, Christmas party letters where there are deep regrets about confessions made at Christmas parties. And those letters while sometimes hilarious are always a little bit baffling because i just sort of feel like it's this day we we wipe out that one day of the year because i just feel like a lot of people mess up okay so
0: maybe we can conclude with that that's a never no christmas party confessions that's one hard and fast rule meredith
4: yeah like limit the drink intake Yeah,
0: yeah that's a good rule just in general in general thank you so much for joining us today i mean there are really a lot of complicated issues around this but your your clarity is very helpful thanks a lot meredith Thank you. Matt, have you ever heard the term decision fatigue? It's when you have so many decisions to make that you find yourself unable to choose anything at all. For me, this strikes when I'm trying to figure out what to make
1: for dinner. Oh, my God. (laughs) You and me both. I could stare in my fridge into the abyss like people would think that I'm hypnotized just staring in there like what what do I do, I do, do? with yeah. these ingredients? Yeah, what do I do? I've done this already, I've done that already. It's like, okay. That's my now? thing.
0: I just keep making the same things all the time. So this is why Hello Fresh is like Hello Fresh. Hello. So, it's a meal kit delivery. It shops, plans and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat and enjoy. That's keep the way simple. I roll. Yes. Keep
1: it simple. That's, uh, that's how I feel. I love that they have the three plans. You got your classic. You got your veggie. You got your family. Sometimes I like to go into veggie mode. Me too. You know, it's like summertime's coming up. Veggie mode yeah. for me.
0: Because I'm terrible at cooking vegetables myself. I yeah. feel like I just, bland. I'm just like roasting yeah. Brussels Always sprouts over bland. and over again. To yeah. You, totally agree. Mm-hmm.
1: I love that each week on the day that you choose, delicious filling meals get delivered right to your door for less than 10 dollars a serving.
0: That amazes me too that what the price is. Yeah. Cuz when I shop it just seems so much more than that. Yeah. So my favorite part is that all the ingredients come pre-measured, and they're handy-labeled milk kits. So there's really no guesswork. Your only job is to rediscover how fun and exciting cooking can be. I'm and it's good, kind of like yeah. putting IKEA furniture together. Like, if you're left with bolts at the end, you're yeah. like, ooh, I forgot to put some some ingredients in. I always in. <laughs> have
1: an extra bolt at the end. But with this, I always have just these
0: empty bottles. The spices bottles, are going like, in. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: That's why it tastes right. So here's what you need to do to get started. To get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh... Just go to HelloFresh.com slash SAFE30 and enter code SAFE30. Again, that's $30 off your first week. And all you have to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash SAFE30. That's S-A-F-E-3-0 and enter code SAFE30.
0: All right, we're almost out of time on today's show. But before we go, let's take a listener call. And joining us for this call is Dr. Steven Danziger. Dr. Danziger, are you ready to do this?
3: Okay, let's do it.
0: Hello? Hey, is this Justine? Yes. Justine, it's Liz and Matt from Safe for Work. How are you?
5: Good. How are you? Good, Great. good.
0: So we understand you have a question for us, and we have a special expert here with us. So what's on your mind, Justine?
5: Yeah, so I work on a medical campus for a public university, and I've been here for about four and a half years.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
5: and this is my third job on this campus. But I went into this job thinking like this was a, a good change from my previous job, a little less chaotic. Um, and it Became pretty clear in the first couple of months that my boss's boss, who is the administrator for the entire department, seems to be suffering from some kind of mental illness. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I don't know if it's mental illness, but she, she exhibits very bizarre behavior. One example is we had this retreat um, with the sixth admin and three of us are brand new. So it's half of us. And we're trying to get an idea of the relationships with other divisions within our department and how those are going. Sure, that makes sense. She basically told us, she has not very good relationships with these people. And she was like, well, it's pretty much irreparable. So my boss was sort of probing her, like, is there anything else we can do, you know, to help repair that? And she came into the office that morning and in the lobby sort of had this major tantrum, like started screaming, like, I know mm-hmm. how to have a crucial conversation. And then she like, started crying and then oh, wow. she started saying how she's the best administrator on our campus. And she repeats that quite frequently, like in many different meetings. She has said it over and over. She's the best administrator on this campus. So in your
0: mind, Justine, is that what tips it over from just being a tyrannical or irrational boss to something that you suspect is more of an illness?
5: Yeah. I mean, it's that. It's um, she also has had a rash of health issues, which has caused her to lose weight. She comes in almost every day to show us how much weight she's lost. Like she'll lift up her jacket to show us her waistline. Look at how much weight I've lost.
0: Okay. That's that's weird.
5: And at some point she was talking about her chest and then she like pulled down her blouse what? and showed my, my boss her chest and then said, well, you're gay. Like as if that Excuses the behavior. Like, I don't know. It's just very bizarre. Okay.
0: That's not good. So, how is this affecting you? What's the impact on you, Justine?
5: So, for me, I feel like I have a buffer because my boss takes the brunt of the abuse, but it makes it really uncomfortable. I feel like she's saying she's going to retire in three years. I don't think I can stick it out for three years. Yeah, don't. Okay.
0: (laughs) Three years is an eternity. Yeah.
5: Yeah. The colleague who started three weeks before me, she's already gone. She found a job on another campus and she quit specifically because of this woman. Like she made her life just miserable. It's not stable.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Dr. Danziger, when she describes her boss's behavior?
3: So I, I can't diagnose someone I haven't met, but I can talk to you in general terms about, you know, kind of what I'm hearing. And you have uh, people who uh, have these kinds of problems because of some organic problem. You have some people sure. who've had past trauma or current trauma, or um, it's just situational, right? And mm-hmm. and it sounds like you've actually witnessed this not happen so much over time, um there's been it's been exacerbated by the health problems i'm hearing
5: yes yes i definitely think the health i mean we actually talk about how the health issues seem to have exacerbated this bizarre behavior
3: so the health issues could be affecting her organically like as in mm-hmm. you know uh, brain changes due to changes in you know, especially when there's a lot of weight loss you know sometimes weight loss indicates some pretty serious uh, difficulty and also if it's on purpose weight loss. Uh-huh. Sometimes people lose too much weight, and that actually has a, a, an effect on people's thought processes. But it sounds, too, like she's front-loaded with... Um, you know, difficulties to begin with. Um, Front loaded. That's an interesting yeah. term. Yes. And mm-hmm. and be- beyond sort mm-hmm. of, because at first when I was listening to the beginning of the story, I'm like, well, a little leadership coaching would yeah, go exactly. a long away here. Yeah, right. exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, that's right, sort of right. my question is what is over the line? Not that it really matters to Justine, because I think, I mean, I know it does matter to you, but, but professionally it kind of feels like you probably have to get out of there no matter what. But just to deal with the the sort of what's going on with this boss how do you know that it's sort of over the line into something that is diagnostic?
3: Yeah, it's sometimes hard to tell where over the line is just looking at someone in an objective fashion. But uh, what Liz asked you earlier, Justine, about like how is it affecting you? Mm-hmm. And then being able to, through your own sort of experience of the behavior, know for yourself what's over the line what's not over the line. Sure. So abusing people essentially on a, in a retreat setting, like if you're go, if you're on the retreat <laughs> setting where people are supposed to be able to be vulnerable and start to, you know, talk about to, things, bond, to right? bond, the bonding right? sessions, the trust issue where you fall and she right, doesn't catch right, you. Right.
5: Right. Yeah. And I think that was like our first sort of sign that something was way off course because she just you know, I mean, we're trying to find ways to work with people. And she's like, well, you just it's hopeless. Like, you know, it's that kind of attitude. Yeah, part of this just
0: feels to me, though, I mean, whatever a doctor might say to her, for me just as a professional, she's a terrible boss. Mm -hmm. Just like somebody, so, like, she may be over the line or not, but clearly not someone who is a good leader, who is going to be developing you or helping you grow in your job. So, you know, other than you protecting yourself from her, which I think is what you would recommend, Dr. Danziger, right? Just make sure that Justine has enough of a boundary with this boss? Yes.
3: And Justine, I already heard you with a great, great uh, tool you're already using, which is knowing that your boss is a filter or a, or a boundary between you and this person Yeah, and allowing that boss to take on that role, that first layer of protection, which then allows you to take care of yourself. so I'm just curious like, what what other ways are you taking care of yourself?
5: My physical space in the office has actually changed quite considerably. When I first started, I was in the front desk area with um, the executive assistant and that was awful. Like I was literally there was just a hallway and then I could see into her office. So now I have my own office. It's like two doors down from her. So physically, that's just made a huge difference. Like if I hear her sort of rambling on things like that, I can go and close my door. Mm-hmm. Um, my best coping mechanisms is just not to buy into it.
3: You're on a really good track, Justine, because everything that you're doing is about setting boundaries. And in the end, that is the best tool that anyone ever has when dealing with people who are erratic or in an addiction or exhibiting just behavior that is not appropriate. Sure. So everything you're talking about, you're talking about physical boundaries. You're talking about you know not enabling those uh, aspects of her that want to be fed all the time. And you're seeing the positive result of she's leaving you be.
5: Yeah. yeah. So now let's
0: talk about your professional development, Justine, because Matt, I'm looking at your face and your, your face says... Justine needs to start looking for a new job. Oh my God. I mean yeah. this
1: this call uh had all of the elements of yeah, I don't know if it's mental health or erratic or toxic or just It all almost of, doesn't matter. Yeah, to it you, doesn't right? matter. It doesn't matter. It's just you know when you said I don't know if I could stick around for three years, it's like I don't know that you should stick around for three months. And yeah. I understand uh during your uh the, the letter you sent us, you, you were concerned about having the requisite amount of HR years that you're seeing on on job listings. Was that your big concern there?
5: Yeah, so I think it would be easy for me to find something else on the campus, but I I don't really want to stay on this campus anymore. <laughs> it just seems I don't like it is dysfunctional, but I have moved up very quickly on the campus. So my salary has gone up about 30% from when I started. So to do something laterally in a totally different organization, you know, everything I'm seeing is three to five years. So, three years, I'm close. I mean, I'm about a year out for three years of experience, but five years, like that's another two years to put in,
1: yeah. well, let me just say when you see those that you know, I find that a lot. i'm I'm a recruiter, and I see people look at those job descriptions and they see the years and they're just scared off and they, they take them too literally. Yeah, they take them too literally, and they sure. and they pull themselves out of the running. It really isn't, especially when it's a range. I think that means that they're not totally sure what they're looking for sometimes. It's not so much about I have x years. It's about, Do you check the boxes on the skill sets? Do you have the comfort level in HR? Sure. The ability to do these tasks in a way that's by rote for you now. Right. So I think it's more about that. If you feel you've moved up quickly and you're a fast learner, I think there's plenty of ways to exhibit that on a resume and also in a job interview.
5: Sure. I mean, I have applied for several jobs, and a lot of them are through the state, so they're very literal about like, oh, you don't have exactly three years. Oh, yeah, so it's kind of regulating. Mm -hmm. I will get like an immediate rejection Mm -hmm. saying, sorry, you don't meet the minimum qualifications. I would like to stay in the healthcare industry. It's just, it's one of those things where I just have to shop around. And, and maybe it means taking a pay cut for a short amount of time if I can prove that I can do the work. It's just, you know, you get, you get used to but, a certain By the value. way, I was going to say, that's hard to
1: do. Uh, and when we talk about money, I always say this, is that if you were to put a dollar sign up next to how much it's worth for your mental health to be improved by not being around this person, you might not see it as a pay cut.
0: Yeah. But right. still, it's so exasperating that she should cost you that. So I get that, yeah. too. Like, I'm not going to let her drive me out of here and I'll go make less money. I know. But so
1: seems, that's hard, too. I know. It seems like the other, other co-worker already decided it was worth yeah. it to, to leave.
5: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Because right. I, yeah, I sort of went into this slump where I'm like, all right, well, maybe I can stick it out for a little no. bit longer. No. Maybe no. I just stick it out until I'm at three It's
3: years. unanimous over here. It's unanimous.
0: <laughs> it's three
5: against one, yeah.
3: Justine. <laughs> Business and mental health all, all yeah. coming out the same.
0: In case you missed anything from this episode, just tap the cover art to check out the notes for today's show. You'll also find our email address, safe at wondery.com. And if you want to support the show, you'll find some great offers from our sponsors. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at
1: wondery.com slash survey. It'll help us make the show better for listeners like you.
0: This episode was hosted by me, Liz Dolan, boss emeritus and satellite sister, and Matt Ritter, comedian, recovering lawyer, and executive recruiter. Our original theme song is composed by Martin Blanco. Audio engineering by Misha Stanton, produced by Cameron Kell. Executive produced by Eileen King and Marshall Louie. Created and executive produced by Hernan Lopez for Wondry. Remember, workplaces can feel crazy, but you don't have to. What if the experience of driving a luxury vehicle wasn't limited to just inside your car, but extended out into the world around you? Introducing the well-connected 2019 Lincoln MKC with a suite of social tech capability that connects the world inside to the world outside. With Amazon Alexa, enabled with Sync3 AppLink, you have access to all the skills and services you get on your Echo. Alexa's activated by the sound of your voice. Hey Alexa, what's the weather like tomorrow? Currently, it's 46... And responds using your car's speakers. With Waze integration that appears right on the nav screen, you'll transform traffic jam streets into clear roads. Got a load of friends? Keep them connected with a 4G LTE Wi-Fi hotspot that allows up to 10 devices to connect at once with Lincoln Connect. With the 2019 Lincoln MKC, life gets a little easier from the moment you leave home to the moment you return. Hey Alexa, open my garage door. Okay. Available by iPhone with Sync 3 with software version 3.0. Commands may vary by phone and AppLink software. Don't drive while distracted. Use voice-operated systems when possible. Don't use handheld devices while driving. iPhone is a trademark of Apple Inc. registered in the U.S. and other countries. The 2019 Lincoln MKC. Learn more at Lincoln.com slash Wondery. That's Lincoln.com slash W-O-N-D-E-R-Y.